So Famous, the variety show podcast that brings you laughs, loves, and that uh, feeling of existential dread that you can just never quite get rid of. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're happy to have you. Before we get started, I just wanted to thank you all for making this show possible by lending your time and your ears and remind you that this show is for you. It's a long show, but it's not necessarily made to be listened to all at once, so feel free to jump around so you can listen to the segments you love and skip the ones that you don't. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our Crisis of the Week here on Episode 5 of Not So Famous. Alright, Marcus, so for, for this week, for the, the Crisis of the Week, my, my big thing that I'm dealing with is, mm-hmm. is this lack of everyday thought in our world and, and in people. No, no one has a filter anymore. And mm. I, I mean that in all senses of the word, but like specifically, people don't try to operate under any sort of societal construct anymore, which is not always a bad thing. But like people, you have to filter yourself somewhat or you are just going to sound <laughs> up, like end up sounding like a fool. Um, like, like this rant right now, okay? Like, right, I didn't tell right. anyone to their face that they're fucking idiots. I waited until I was on my podcast to publicly embarrass them. Um, so I've compiled a list. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but, but do you get what I'm saying? I mean, like, people say the right. stupidest shit because they just don't think before they speak, right? Like, mm-hmm. where's the stapler? Okay, well, if you look down, you'd see that it was right in front of you. Where is she going? Okay, she just had a long car ride, so I'm sure she needs to go to a bathroom. What do you mean? Okay, if you put one ounce of fucking thought into analyzing the words I just right. spoke, maybe you could figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because we have so much information at the drop of a yeah. hat nowadays um, with like search engines and social media that you, if you don't know something, you can just you can ask, and that is great. I am not dissing on learning or searching for new information. That's incredible, and honestly, I don't know about you, but I think it's one of the things that makes like you know our generations great. Absolutely. Um, I'm just talking about like common stuff, like common sense stuff. You know, like read yeah. the room, use like basic deduction and logic based reasoning. You know, I'm so I'm so sick of stupid questions that waste my time. Right. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that because um, I feel I completely 100 percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. People people don't stop to think anymore. Um, and, and it is it is a problem because we do have access to so much information um, and and like but we we don't actually take the time to to actually find that information like we like we know how to get it you know you can always you can google anything nowadays right um but people just don't do it and it's kind of like um you know i was watching uh, before we got in the air uh, i was eating dinner and i was watching uh the internship Mm -hmm. uh, with vince vaughn and then uh owen wilson yeah and 
and uh, and there's a part at the very beginning where Owen Wilson is talking to Rose Byrne, and you know he's like he's like hey he's like oh hey was uh was this in the uh was this in space. He's like, I, I just want to know if it was in space. And Rose Byrne is like, mm, if only there was like some website you could go to and ask that question. And and you know, it's part of like you know the the charm of it. You know, like boy meets girl, girls and like boy, yada yada yada. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all boy part of that. Stupid boy, is stupid. He doesn't Google. Um, but it's, it, I mean, he could have Googled that. You You're know, right. like. Like, he could have taken a moment to just, you know, open up his phone um, and and find out that information. Now, now on the other hand, he did actually, you know, it wasn't like something that's common sense, right? Like, you know, it was, right. it was like a big plane. He wasn't sure if it was in space. It, it said SpaceX, but he's like, did it actually go in space? Because I've never heard of this thing before. Um, but Which it's I'm- when... I'm not dissing, like, the, you know, like, uh, actual, if you don't, if you have a question and you are actually ignorant and you are bold enough to say, like, hey, I don't know the answer to that, you know, like, I think that that is a great skill. That's humility, right? Yeah. I actually don't know the answer to that. Could you, you know, tell me so that I can not live in ignorance? And I'm not, I'm (laughs) not necessarily talking about those things. I'm just talking about, like, it feels like people have given up on communication that takes actual effort. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where they 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 just don't engage because they're like, I'll Google it later. Or they ask me something instead of like, well, if you just wait, like, I, that's actually part of the story. Or like, if you were yep. actually listening, like, I, I, I'm getting there. You know, like, people Dude. just want it and they want it now and they want it five seconds ago. And it's like, you know what? I'll just send you a fucking tweet and we'll be done. <laughs> I I'm not going to I'm not going to put out the business. I'm not going to say who exactly they are. But you but, are going to sip the tea. But I am going to I am going to sip the tea a little bit. So I remember distinctly I was watching wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Audience, as you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. We talked about it before briefly. Um, and I'm I'm watching wrestling with my ex and a former student of mine. Um, and she just kept asking me questions about wrestling. And it was kind of like, well, number one, she wasn't actually, like, into it. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't, like, she wasn't, like, a super fan like I was, which was fine. Right. You know, totally you cool. You yeah, you don't have to be a super fan. Like, I, if you want to sit and, and watch it, like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of like she would ask questions that I was like, you know, number one, you you could just, you know, pick up context clues, you know, like she was asking like like oh when did they become a bad guy, I'm like, they literally do a recap, in the like, beginning, right? Like they explain it, they like they have this whole promo package that everyone complains <laughs> about because they're like you're wasting time, why aren't they wrestling? Um, they do they do that type of stuff. Or, like, um, the questions, like, uh, I can just imagine, and I'm not saying, uh, the, the, you know, she asked this question, but, like, right. so did they just fight the whole time? It's like, no, it, that's the kind of shit that uh, is grinding my gears. Like, right. if we're watching a movie and you have no idea what's going on, please stop me so that we can talk about it, because, like, I want you to enjoy it, too. Um, but, like, 
do they just fight all the time is not a good question to ask right when mm-hmm. watching a fucking wrestling thing because then i have to pause it and like explain to you the the like yes. you know like subtlety of how wrestling is not fighting and that's a different thing and mm-hmm. you can find that elsewhere and this is actually like performance and there's like it's kind of fake it's like you know they hit each other they do train but like you know it's but that's a different conversation yeah. That you could find elsewhere. That must have been infuriating. Oh, absolutely. Especially, like, you know, because I was getting ready to go to um, WrestleMania. So, and, you know, you, you're dropping $1,000, you know, going to WrestleMania. And uh-huh. it's like, uh, you're going to watch, you're going to be up to date on all the current storylines. Um, because you're, you're spending $1,000 to go to this thing. Right. You need, you need to know. Otherwise... Why are you going? It's a waste of money. Um, and so I'm like, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to watch it. And I'm trying to have like a conversation with my former student. Mm-hmm. And we're going back and forth. And we are talking about, you know, future storylines. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. And just continuously coming up and asking me these questions. And it's like, dude, you can literally, you can open up, uh, the internet you can look at any sort of blog there's tons of wrestling blogs i'm like right look it up like this is like we're talking about something like we're talking about something very advanced you know it's like it's like talking about the bat family and with somebody and then someone to ask you like like who's bruce wayne's parents and you're like, okay, that's um, so like we're <laughs> we're on something different here, or like right. there's no shame in being like, I this is not you know like and waiting until the conversation is done, like and you're done talking with that other person about the Bat Family, and then being mm-hmm. like, I don't actually know a lot about Batman. Like, where would you recommend I get started, or something like that? You know, right. instead of interrupting my thought process or like my discussion with someone else because you are concerned that you won't get to talk <laughs> for two seconds. Right. (laughs) But, but, I mean, this goes for all sorts of situations. I don't want to, like, you know, belabor this point. But it it happens at at work, at school, at home, in relationships, Mm -hmm. in friendships, right? People are just not used to uh, having to communicate with maximum effort because of all of this shorthand and technology that we've invented. Um, And I think it can work for us and against us simultaneously. It it works against us in our mindset, but it can be used as a solution, like you're saying. You know, you can just Google that information. Um, Mm -hmm. I, gosh, I'm sorry. I just needed to get that off my chest. You go right ahead. Um, but I gotta know. I gotta know. You know what's what's been going on. What have you been doing in your life? What is happening? What have you been watching? What's the word, man? What's the word? Oh, dude. I uh, well, I had two days off because of the snow. Ah, uh, yes, and... I did hear from my my very very happy mother. <laughs> um, yes, I I was you know of course playing Red Dead. Um, did my Christmas shopping budget to figure out you know how much money I'm how much money I'm gonna try to keep within so I can go to WrestleMania this year mm-hmm. um, while also making sure everyone has a good uh, good Christmas. I did not buy Kingdom Hearts yet. Me neither. I'm actually waiting to see um, uh, someone that I know dropped a hint. Uh, that I might be receiving it for Christmas, so... Oh, nice! I thought I'd wait, (laughs) but I'm very excited and very grateful towards this person. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I might, uh, I know I'm gonna get it for myself for Christmas. I, I just, I'm, I'm debating whether or not, do I want it, do I want it now so I can play it and be done with everything by Kingdom Hearts 3? Or do I want to just wait and just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy it? Um, but I, I have, um, you know, just been watching a little Hulu, um, read a new comic book. Oh yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah, yeah. I read. Um, I was, I was going on. I was actually on Facebook. I gotta tell you, I found it. I was uh-huh. on Facebook, and I was looking at someone posted in like one of the various groups that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, someone posted uh, artwork from different comics. Gotcha. And one and one was uh, it was Barack Obama, but as like Black Panther. So, of course, Whoa. I had to click. Yeah, so, of course, I had to click on it. Um, and it was, like, old school Black Panther, you know, not nothing like the new artwork that you guys, uh, that you see now. Um, and it was, like, like, very clear, like, a one-off issue, you know, just kind of like, a, when, you know, one of those what-ifs. You're right, and, right. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm kind of clicking through, and I'm like, oh, they're reviewing different comic books. So... I've been wanting to kind of expand my comic book knowledge. Like, I don't want to just read Batman. I don't want to just read Black Panther or Miss Marvel, even though all three of those are amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and they make me so happy. Um, but I started to uh, I started to read this, uh, this comic called Unnatural, which is kind of weird um if you if you look it up um it is uh it is basically about these anthropomorphic animals um who live in a society where it is not okay to date outside of your species or to be gay um you have to date you have to date marry and essentially breed within your species so that mm-hmm. you know you know the your species can keep can keep going Right. And so I'm like, okay, that's an interesting idea. Um, the artwork in it is really cool. Um, it's reminiscent of uh, um, a couple of Instagram artists that I follow. Okay. Um, that looks really, that looks really nice. It looks really awesome. So I was like, all right, I'm going to read this. And I got the first volume. It was half off um, on Comixology. And it was awesome. I was like hooked into it. Um it is not it is not for children at all. So I was going to say are... <laughs> so like not safe for work, not uh yeah, oh risque. definitely not. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean she's like the the main character is this is this pig girl and um basically she's having some strange dreams about a wolf essentially oh my god um, i love it i love it yeah. already <laughs> and it was like and like and it, and and that's that to me it was kind of like that's a weird hook uh for for a comic book and um but once you start reading it you know it becomes this um it becomes something reminiscent of of like i mean i've never i haven't seen i've only seen one episode but it's kind of reminiscent of like Handmaid's Tale. It's reminiscent of uh, uh, Animal Farm. You get hints of that. Right. Um, old film noir detective comics. I mean, sorry, detective films. You get a little sense of that. 
Um, I just watched. Uh, I just watched. Uh, Sorry to bother you with the Keith Stanfield. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, that's all. It's just so much symbolism in it, and it's all about being black and having to use a white voice in order to succeed. And, right. And with unnatural, you you get that same sense. You get that it's like, man, you are you are telling some sort of truth, and I am just too dumb right now to get it. But I am I am all about this journey. You well, know? I was going to um, say, I mean, I haven't read it, so I don't know. But it seems like what makes it uh, interesting and I think would make, make it interesting for all of our listeners is that it mm-hmm. touches on uh, or it seems to touch on, you know, and this might be a, a surface glance, but like that universal idea of like, what do you do when you are having a thought that maybe, quote unquote, you are not supposed to have? Like, mm-hmm. what do you do when your society is, um, you know, homophobic and patriarchal and you like men? Yeah. And what are you going to do, right? Like, it's that same idea. Um, and all humans can relate to, you know, having thoughts that we shouldn't have or that society tells us that we shouldn't have or, you know, being attracted to someone that people say we shouldn't be attracted to. And right. I think it's great that we... You know, that comics are, again, pushing the boundaries. And I don't think people give enough credit to comic books and comic book artists um, for, you know, consistently pushing um, against um, oppression and and those negative forces that say you can't and you shouldn't and you you won't. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's incredible. Yeah, dude, you got to read it. I will. You know I will. Is it in Comicsology? You said, yeah, in Comicsology. Um, um, like I said, it's called Unnatural. Um, definitely, definitely check it out and let us know. Uh, let us know what you think. Again, not safe for work. <laughs> that not, cannot not cannot safe. stress that enough. <laughs> um, hey, but that's okay. You know, um, yeah. you wouldn't listen to this podcast uh, out loud at work. Uh, because I might say fuck on it oh, really loudly. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know. And then now if you're at work and you're listening, you're like, shit, I shouldn't have played this. Everybody's looking at me in my cubicle. Um, the joke's on you. Cursing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm really excited. I will definitely check it out. You know I am crazy yeah. about my reading, and that includes comic book reading. I will absolutely um, end up probably reading it tonight. And uh, reading, like, literally every book that's ever been published about it. Um, And then I'll go to sleep at, like, four. Right. Um, But seriously, on a side note, I love comiXology. It's where I get most of my comics. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I do, you know, keep up with, um, like, Batman and Detective Comics and and Mm -hmm. my, my, um, like, Avengers fix and Thor and all of those, you know, must-haves for me. Um, yeah. But it's really hard sometimes to get to the comic book store. Um, and so I always support local when I can. I go out and, you know, try and make um, purchases at, at local bookshops when I can. But Comixology, just, it's cheaper. It's easy. It's quick. I can get it on my Kindle, you know. It's it's really, it's wonderful. And if you don't know what it is, it, you should definitely look into it. It's a great um, comic streaming service where you can you build your own library. Yeah, um, it's really wonderful. It's a great tool, and they uh, they're constantly, especially right now, it seems they're constantly giving discounts. 
Oh my god, the like Black Friday and Christmas deals yeah. are always oh. unending. That was insane. I um that that's that's why I caught up with uh Detective Comics so quickly is because it was all it every every month it seemed like it was going on sale. Um, and right speaking now they of, have a Spider Man on sale actually. Oh really? Yeah, they've got Don't like they have a, well Miles Morales Spider Man. Yeah, I was gonna say because I just looked on today and um they actually have like a Batman sale. Um so if you are looking on getting caught up on any other Batman because um Batman Who Laughs number one came out today. I see um, it and I'm about to buy it. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. I should have kept my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> speaking of comic books and superheroes, yeah. um, I know you guys touched on this in, in the most recent episode of Popcorn Prattle, but, yeah. um, I, we have to, just because, I mean, I, I was really upset last week. I had a couple of friends reach out after listening to the podcast and they were like, Hey, you seemed really upset that there was no, um, Avengers 4 trailer. Uh, do you need to talk? Um, so we have to follow up and, and talk a little bit about the finally released Avengers 4 Endgame trailer. Um, we do, because I I got to... Um, we actually we actually finished the podcast. I gotta tell you how it happened. We finished recording, mm-hmm. and then I think it was a day or two days later, guess what drops? And I said, son of a B, I... Because I'm a I'm a teacher, I can't I can't curse so much on the air. I can only, I can only curse so much. Um, but I said it. I was like I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? I'm like, we just made a big point how the Avengers trailer should not drop. Right. So I had to edit all of that out where we were like speculating like like oh it's probably gonna come out this time this time and this time and I'm like I am recording over this. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about it. So it's it's literally just me by myself talking about it. So yes, I would love to talk Avengers Endgame with you. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um I first of all like to, to start off uh, okay, audience if you haven't seen the Avengers Endgame trailer, first of all, who are you? I want to know why why <laughs> um, how did you survive? Yeah, seriously. Um and also heads up, it's going to be worse after you bring a box of tissues. Um, but also like go watch it right now and come back so that we can, you can, you can enjoy the, the full gravity of this situation. Um, just to think about like that start with Tony, you know, my, Mm. my very first thought, I was like, Oh, it ends how it started. You know, like I was, you know, 10 years old and I was seeing Iron Man come to life. Um, on the big screen and now it's like i'm possibly seeing him die on the big screen um that's intense i mean like what do you think about that who you know do you think someone's gonna rescue him obviously do you think that he's just gonna have some more of those moments of um you know staying in and recording pressing record on some things or like um, i i i'll be honest with you i would not be opposed to tony Stark dying um, me neither and and I, and I've said this before um I've said this before on on the show I, I you know just in in general with people talking to me um the thing that I love about the MCU is especially with Iron Man if you were audience if you were to watch Iron Man and watch all the films that feature Tony Stark 
that is a masterclass in writing a character um, mm-hmm. because they what they did was and I feel like this is you know you could say whatever you want about cinematic universes sometimes they work out horribly but sometimes they work out really well and it's because you have this so much time to tell a complete story so right. to, to watch Tony be this arrogant hot shot you know like I'm gonna sell weapons to terrorists essentially to yeah. to you know he goes from that to being like I am the hero that the earth needs to I'm just one hero that the earth needs um, right. I need to I need to create something to protect the world because eventually we're not going to be able to do it. We can't always be there to right, right. let me um, let me destroy, let me completely destroy that or double down on the idea of, you know, the earth always needs protecting. There's something out there. It's coming mm-hmm. for us. You know, mm-hmm. let me let me sign these uh, Sokovia Accords. Let me make sure that we are always there to beat the bad guys. Right. To finally, like... you know, in Infinity War, that moment, the the most powerful moment to me is when uh, they're explaining to Tony who Thanos is, and they're explaining the Infinity Stones, and he's like, "This is it." It's that line that I'm like. That's I'm like that's the beginning of the end for this character, because yeah. he because he this is this is his nightmare. This is the thing that like since Avengers, this is what he has always feared happening, right? You know, and I love it. And and Robert Downey Jr. does such a good job of delivering that one line that like again, if you if you just pay attention to a storyline, he's like, you know, he's like this is it. I'm not ready. Cap's not here. Thor's not here. Hulk's not here. You know, I've I've got these new people that I don't really know, but I've got to, they've got to help me. Well, and he rounds them up quick as shit. He's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. Like, that's always been the, um, but I will also say like, Hmm. even in, you know what I think the beginning of the end was, was uh, Age of Ultron. I think that is, you know, and and seeing that through and the fact that it failed and Mm -hmm. like him recognizing that he is, like you were saying, like the the small cog in a very big machine. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what brings and helps lend that kind of um, gravity that you're talking about when you get to that line and he's like, shit, this is it. Like, and and I am not prepared no matter what I tried to do. Like, Mm -hmm. it was all for naught. And here I am, and I have to fix it, and I have to fix it now. Um, And I think that that's why, you know, centering him on this trailer was a really great move on um, Marvel's part. And the idea of having it really not be about him, um, Mm -hmm. in the fact that he was like, you know, is this thing on? Hey, you know, this is it. This is my very simple existence right now in, you know, food and water. They ran out four days ago. Oxygen's tomorrow and that'll be it. But what I want you to know, world, is what's in my heart. And, like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. Of him being like, I'm going to I'm gonna drift off and I'm going to drift off thinking of you. And that's what this has always been for. 
um, it's been for you. And I think that you can, you know, talk about a master class in writing and character development. You can see that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's always been about Pepper. It's, yeah. you know, Iron Man 2, it's about protecting, um, you know, his legacy. And then it shifts in Iron Man 3. Say what you want about that movie. I know it sucks. But there are some really good character it has moments. Yeah. It does. Um, and one of them, I think, is his I'd shift into saying, I don't care about myself necessarily. I do care about Pepper. Yeah. Um and and seeing that uh, at the forefront of this trailer just made me feel really good. Well, in Civil War, I I just got done watching that yesterday actually because there was TNT's been doing this like this weird Marvel marathon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Civil War and at the very beginning, you kind of see that like his kind of fractured relationship with Pepper is um is also kind of like why he makes that decision to sign the accords. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, because when, you know, if you think about it, like when he tried to save the world, when he tried to make this big elaborate gesture, what ends up happening? He creates Ultron. Right, right. You know, and so it's it's almost like Civil War is kind of, ba- like, especially in the beginning, like he never, he's never like, gung-ho about the accords i noticed i've never noticed that before i watched it the other day he's never Mm. like yes we got to do the accords like i'm the champion this is the best idea he's like it's the only thing that i can think of that makes sense well and i think what a lot of people miss and maybe i only picked up on it because you Mm. know i did read the civil war comics like back in the day when i was a kid Mm -hmm. um is that he he's not even like this is the only way I see forward. He's like, this is the only way I see forward right now. Mm-hmm. And like cap Steve, we can talk about it after, like after we are not in such a shitty place, but right. right now this is all that we can do. And then we can, I mean like we're superheroes, we can figure it out later, mm-hmm. but right now we just need to sign. And, and I think he gives an incredibly um, like, you know, well-reasoned and, and solid, solidly logical argument for yeah. it um whereas i feel like cap is just like no i don't want to i don't want to be controlled mm-hmm. and it's like almost the reverse in the comics so it, it's it's really been like a crazy ride so it's interesting you bring that up yeah oh my god and 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 here's the thing we're only number one we're only talking about the first moment of the trailer which is incredible. i know right you There's know so much people, more People can say whatever they want about, like, oh, the trailer's so dumb, it didn't show you anything. You would have complained if the trailer showed you everybody coming back, you know? Like, how mad would people have been if they had shown, like, Captain Marvel? If they showed Spider-Man coming back? If they Mm -hmm. showed anybody? Um, They didn't even really show Thanos, you know? And it's like, like, no, because you know what you needed to see from... From uh, Avengers Endgame trailer, you needed to see the devastation that you left from Infinity War. You need to see that it's mm-hmm. still there. But unlike with X-Men Apocalypse, you need to see that there's hope by the end of the trailer. If right. you look at the X-Men Apocalypse trailer, there is no hope. You you go into that movie thinking like, man, everybody's dead. Um, but with, with Endgame... By the end of it, you're like, oh my god, they could win. Yeah, I think, I, and I think that that's important. And I think, um, 
You know, like, also to see, um, going into the next moment of the trailer, right, we see Steve um, and Natasha, Mm -hmm. um, and their kind of depravity and and desperation, like you're saying, right? They're just like, I mean, Steve is literally crying, I think, right? Well, I feel like he's crying because he lost his beard. Well, his his stellar beard. (laughs) Rest in pieces on the ground. Where's your beard? Um, Make your beard Civil War again. <laughs> Make it, um, but you know, I mean, he's he's crying. Jesus, now I'm just thinking about his beard. Thank you, Marcus. It's no problem. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, Never forget the beard. <laughs> and Natasha's like, I thought it looked really good too. I don't know why you shaved it. We we told you to keep it. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he says that line. Um, I'm definitely paraphrasing, but he's like. You know, I, she's, she basically says like, this is going to work, whatever plan they're referring to, this is going to work. And he's like, I know it is because if it doesn't like, that's it. It, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I think that that, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what he might mean. And then I think, you know, we kind of see, um, how other Avengers are dealing with it. Right. We see, um, Thor briefly, we see, uh, I think is that Nebula in the spaceship? Yeah, that was Nebula. Um, which is so interesting. We see Hawkeye, who's like now badass, shaved head, has a sword, um, casually, you know. As one um, does when your family turns to dust in front of you. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, when I get mad, I usually pull my sword out as well. <laughs> I told you that's, um, that's what I want for the for the beginning of the movie. What? I I want it to be like Hawkeye is watching the news and he's seeing like you know planes going down and people disappearing and he runs mm-hmm. out to find Astisia's family and like just like right before they turn to dust it's his wife she's holding their two kids the kids are like slowly disintegrating his wife is just staring at him and he's boohoo crying and she's just like I love you and before she can say you dust you're a fucking monster dude but tell me that would not set the tone (laughs) for this damn movie you go into that movie you're just like (laughs) (laughs) seriously no oh my god they do it like reverse style so like in the avengers in the very first one you know how they kind of like they were like and now this is like the introduction of this character and it's nick fury and natasha like pulling you guys together what if they do that except for it's like how everybody lost their like all the people that you didn't see lose their um big people it's like a recap it's like just in case you (laughs) missed it these are all of the people that have fucking turned to dust um but then I think the big thing about the trailer, and then and then we should move on, hmm. um, is Scott Lang at the end. Did you see the meme about Scott Lang? Someone was like, it was like it was like a Twitter thing, and they were like, everyone got so hyped for Captain Marvel, thinking that she's the one who's going to save the day. It's actually going to be Scott Lang. <laughs> I did see the meme, and I am interested to see where it goes i was actually talking with a friend um shout out to my friend Alyssa crespo um she sent me this like tumblr article Mm -hmm. that was basically like um 
So, you know, like, I deconstructed every second of that trailer. <laughs> thank, I mean, thank God, first of all, for that user. You're doing the Lord's work. Right. Um, but <laughs> it was like I, I zoomed in on the video feed and up in the, you know, top left in the trailer, they say, like, um, he says, like, is, is this an old video? And she says, it's the back door. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then... He's like, wait, but like, you know, what, what time is this? Like he's, he's trying to figure it out. And then it's, it's basically Scott being like, can you let me in? Like, hello. Um, but basically this, uh, user, this Tumblr, you know, user zoomed in and found that it is an archived video. It says in the top left-hand corner archive. Um, and so this user was, you know, saying essentially that, um, possibly cause you know, at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Scott is stuck in the quantum realm. Right. Um, so this user was, uh, you know, uh, putting forth that possibly he mentions in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp that there is like a time vortex in the quantum realm. Right. And perhaps Scott stumbled upon the um, uh, time vortex and actually found a way to get into um, like old 1980s um, Avenger complex mm-hmm. um, because they basically then the, you know they were compiling all these pictures in this Tumblr post and um, you guys should look into it um, I'm sure that you will be able to find the Avengers conspiracy theorists are numerous among the internet <laughs> right. um, and you can probably find the post that I am talking about but basically it's like you know this is the back door as it was when Howard Stark built this facility so long ago Um, like back in the day, not the new one that like Tony redid, but in, you know, in the, um, first Ant-Man when he goes to steal that device, Mm -hmm. um, from the Avengers and has his run in with Falcon. Right. Right. Um, it's like that complex that was originally something else that Dr. Pym shows him that was, was an old, um, shield and like Howard Stark center. Um, so really interesting. I'm excited to see if Scott Lang is actually the one that kind of pulls in and saves the day, which would be hilarious considering how many people were like, fuck like an Ant-Man movie. I don't want to see that. That sucks. (laughs) And like now literally he might save the day and be like the big thing. Like maybe that's what Cap is talking about. Maybe he's Mm -hmm. like, if this doesn't work, talking about Scott, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I am hype about Captain Marvel. I am too. I she, I think the I think the trailer is Actually, I'm not I I don't hate the trailer to be honest with you. I I know there's a lot of hate online about it. Um I don't get it. Like I'm like what what are you what do you want from these trailers anymore? Like yeah, they, they can't reveal too much. Like you you complain. Right. And I I mean, I remember when they did, I think I've mentioned it before on the show, like the Avengers uh, Age of Ultron trailers. Mm -hmm. It was too much. I knew everything. Um, So, you know, this this trailer felt good. It felt like I got a little bit about her character, about like the memory loss Mm -hmm. and like the the warrior race and her training. Mm -hmm. And I got to see her like beat the shit out of a scroll. Like, I'm good. I did hate that part, though. What? I did hate that part. Oh, well. I I, mean, I really wanted them to keep it a secret, 
about the scrolls, and I just yeah. wanted, I just wanted people to think that Captain Marvel beats up old women in her spare time. I that would have been funny, <laughs> but also I think that there would have been. I mean, you know, our society now, we would have been like, um, this is like ageist, and like I can't believe that. <laughs> um, we would have like a mainstream, like the first woman superhero, like beat up an old person, like that is just. So, I mean, I, I understand why they had to. But I also shout out to Dave. Hi, Dave, my uncle. Hi, Dave. What's up, Dave? Um, <laughs> him and I were talking about the trailer, and he was like, I, uh, you know, I do feel like there's just some, some sadness, and, like, the, it's so dark, mm-hmm. and it's just about, like, how fucked up she is and like how she doesn't know who she is and how powerful she is. And like, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And while I do understand and agree with that, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's been a lot of hate, like you're saying online about the trailer and about, um, the fact that, you know, I think there's been some pushback about the fact that she is a woman and people are like, she should be smiling more. Like, she should be happier. Um, you know, the the trailer should have, you know, the thumbnail should be like her telling a joke or something instead what? of her beating someone up. And I'm like, that's where it starts to feel like double standardy to me. And we yeah. have to be careful, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a dark trailer. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's I think it toes the line. It's different. And if you, I mean, if you know the the history behind uh, behind Captain Marvel, it's not a, it's not always a happy one. No, you know, it's like she, she's, she has. There's some dark moments in her history. Um, I don't think they're going to talk about all of them, but. You definitely, I mean, you you can definitely see, like, this is going to be, she's definitely going to be, like, the leader of what is going to happen to the MCU. Yeah, you know? and into phase four, I yeah. think, for sure. You know, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got uh, Doctor Strange, you've got, um, I'd even include Ant-Man in that mix, you've got Spider-Man, you've got Black Panther, um... And now you're about to have Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. I feel, has to be a bit different than her counterparts of, like, I guess, like, the new, like, the freshman class of the MCU. Well, and I also think that, you know, right now, because of where we are in this landscape for for Marvel movies, Mm -hmm. like, every other character that you just named has kind of teamed up already with someone. Like, even in, you know, Infinity War, like, there's kind of, like, the three or four different teams, Mm. and even if, you know, Doctor Strange was kind of... Uh, by himself in his own movie, like he's quickly brought on to this new team of of heroes, and the Guardians join with others, and like Thor <laughs> right. gets in there, right? And like the Avengers standard, we right, we bring in Black Panther. Everybody kind of joins the team. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know Captain Marvel is on her own right now, so she could be the one that says like all of you idiots are spread across the galaxy, and we need to be together to fight this evil. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she she has the training of Steve, um, like that military mindset Mm -hmm. and the power 
of someone like Thor. Yeah. Um, so I, I do really think that she could um, absolutely bring them all together and, and be like, hey, idiots, let's get this job done. Um, well, she... With, I do have a I do have a strong theory that she's the reason why Nick Fury even thinks about assembling the Avengers. You know, huh? After because there's a there's a line in there where she you know she's talking about you know um, Star Force and everything, and they're like, and he's like, oh, so, and he's like, he's just asking her questions. He's like, what is this thing? Like, he's like, it's a group right. of soldiers and like heroes, and I think. When he hears this, in his mind, he's like, oh, like, we need that, you know? Like, right. what, if, what if Earth right, had right, something, right. like, the equivalent of that? Especially since, you know, it, you know whatever whatever makes Captain Marvel, and then, I'll, and then I'll drop it, but whatever makes Captain Marvel uh, <laughs> leave, you know... She uh-huh. she leaves a pretty she leaves a big enough void that Nick Fury is like we need we need something like the Avengers. We need yeah our, we need, we need our own team yeah yeah I think that's a great theory that's I mean there I I'm eager to see what happens I'm eager to see what unfolds and I am very excited for both of these movies to come out yeah and I can't believe they pushed up Avengers right. Yeah, I'm pumped. I I'm so excited. So we will we will certainly see. And um, I'm thinking about on Popcorn Prattle, and actually I'm gonna involve you in this. I think mm. um, making like a segment called Infinity Watch or something. Ooh, yeah. And just like you know, like every you know every show have like a little segment and just be like, hey, tell me your your Avengers Endgame theory. What's going to happen? Give you five minutes. Talk about it. Ooh, I love that. Right? Right? I think people would be down for that. So I think I mean, people would be down for that because that would be at least contained, whereas just now we talked about Avengers for like a half an hour. <laughs> Everyone's like, where's my moment in the safe space? Yeah, seriously. Where's um, Kanye's corner? <laughs> it's coming. Everybody... For la- didn't I say at the beginning you could fast forward? <laughs> if you Jesus. if you if you sat there and you listened to us, that's on you. Okay, yeah, hopefully hey, you enjoyed you it. Chose that. <laughs> don't put that on us. Don't you put you that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? You are not paralyzed. Um. Okay, but to move on. Move on, yes. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm glad you've been playing Red Dead. Yeah. I have been playing, have you heard that Super Smash came out? Uh, yes. It, it's making me question whether or not uh, I should just go ahead and buy myself a Switch finally. Here's my thing, man. I mm. understand the hesitation behind, you know, people buying the Switch. I bought one two years ago when it came out mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just because I, you know, had that tax return money and I was like, I earned it. Um, <laughs> but I understand it's been, it's been, you know, kind of back and forth. Like I play it for a little while and then I put it down mm-hmm. and then I play it for a little while when a new game comes out and then I put it down. Um 
And this was like I had just finished, um, like right in a row, I played Octopath Traveler in September. Mm -hmm. um, and then I played Pokemon, um, just like, you know, we were talking about it on the last show. I'm still playing it. Yeah. And then when I forgot that Super Smash Brothers was coming out and, you know, my Switch basically like told me, it was like, news, you can now get, you know, um, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because I have so many memories with Super Smash Bros. And I yep. know that like last episode was the nostalgia episode and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor it, but you know, th there are certain Nintendo games that just carry I think Nintendo is really that that company of nostalgia. It really mm -hmm. um that's just where they hit their stride. And with Super Smash Bros., it's like I remember playing it on um, the Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm, I remember mm -hmm. playing Melee on GameCube. I remember uh, getting to college and literally, like, my roommates had a GameCube and we would host, like, nightly tournaments. Yes. Um, it was the best. And it was a staple for my roommates. Like, shout out to my uh, my friend Seth Bullock and Alex McCormick, Dante uh, DiLoretto. Like, my roommates, it was like, if we came home and somebody was stressing or somebody was just, like, frustrated as hell, be like, hey, why don't we come play some Smash Brothers? Yep. Okay, yeah, let's get in the room, let's get a beer, let's let's play Super Smash. And it is one of those games that is just like you can jump in at any level and still have fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also hard to master. And Yeah. It, right? Like, it, it, it's simple commands. It's like there's only, you know, the special attacks and the normal attacks and then, like, the directions. Right. That's basically it. Um, but this particular game has so many modes, Marcus, mm -hmm. um, which I think is usually the main complaint with, um, like, new Super Smash Brothers games, is everybody's like, oh, but, like, the story mode isn't really a story. It's just, like, uh, stumbling upon, like, new fights. And <laughs> right. then it's just, like, the classic mode. And there's, like, you know, it's only really fun if you have friends to play with. Mm-hmm. Well, the Switch kind of rebranded this because it is literally, first of all, it's every character that's ever been in um, Super Smash Brothers. Literally ever. I think there's 75 characters. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, which is bonkers. Plus, they are adding four or five new ones, I believe, um, with, like, DLC mm -hmm. that comes out. There's every stage you've ever played on, all the way back to, like, SNES. Wow. Um, yeah, like, I'm talking, like, old school, old school, old school, like, original Donkey Kong stages, um, all the way up to, like, Wii U stages and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a blast. And then there's this new, like, spirit adventure um, that incorporates, like, a leveling system. Um, it incorporates a ton of other, like, Nintendo characters that you can basically, like, attach to your fighter to make better or to give a certain buff and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it is like an adventure mode. Like, there is a map you do have to play through. You get to certain places and you have to fight it out um, or, like, work your way around. And there is an online mode. So while I'm sitting here, like, you know, wishing that I could play with my friends that mm -hmm. I used to play Smash with, I actually can. I downloaded their friend codes and added them up, and then we started playing just like the old days. Wow. Um, it is... I, 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 you know, can't recommend it enough. Um, I think it's it's 
perfectly hitting that balance of you can play it alone, you can you know hang out in adventure mode, you get a new player, and then you're like, oh, I want to practice with them. You know, there's so many. Um, and you can play it with friends. You can hop online. You can do local play, right? Like I was playing with just a friend the other day. I detached my controllers and we played. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my um, gosh, I, I I would love to play Smash Brothers again. I played it. I played I played a recent one, um, not too long ago, maybe about two or so years ago. And yeah, I, yeah, I've just been out of the game for so long. I used to be, dude. I used to be so good at Smash Brothers. I I remember there was one night I was playing with somebody. We were playing uh, we were playing uh, Melee, um, uh-huh. which. That was the best one. I was about one. to say, that that to me was the best one. Um It definitely was. And I and and this dude and I we were playing on um we were playing tournament rules. Uh so we had it was like I think it was like twelve minutes, three lives apiece, and I was I was Zelda and he mm-hmm. was Pit. Okay. And or maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't male. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But anyways, we're we're facing off against each other. And it was kind of like, did you ever, did you ever watch, I'm sure you did, did you ever watch uh, Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it was like an old school Dragon Ball Z, like, here's Goku versus, like, the big bad, and they're both so evenly matched um, that we're both, like, you know, like, he's, like, he fires off a an arrow, I block, I, like, use my attack to, like, spit it back on him, he sends it flying up, I, I like, immediately, like, I do, like, a couple of things as Zelda, and I'm going, we're going back and forth. We don't land one punch on each other. It was insane. Like, everyone's sitting there watching us. They're like, like, because everybody, everybody was like, like, Marcus is going to get his ass beat because this guy, like, fights in tournaments, and, like, he's won tournaments. Right, right. And I'm just like, I'm like, don't come for me. I'm like... And I, I'm I'm kind of looking at him. It was like, like, oh wow, you actually are pretty good. Like, you almost got me a couple of times. So then I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna have to be. I'm gonna have to turn the sheik. And I turned the sheik, and and dude, I I mean, we were going at each other so hard in this game. I, I think it ended up being sudden death, and I got like blown up or something. Um. But that's the fun of Smash. Like, dude, I can't tell you how many nights I had like that. Or, like, you know, you're playing with your friends mm-hmm. and then it gets way too intense. And you're like, no, I don't know who killed me. Like, we have to settle that. We have to do, <laughs> right. do our own battle in sudden death. And, like, that is, you know, part of that random competitiveness yep. is part of the fun. But it's also, like, all in good spirit and all in good fun and good pleasure. And I think that that's what Nintendo does right. Yeah. Yep. That is so awesome. Who did you did you guys like end up settling the score or? Yeah, I mean, I I I mean, like I said, I ended up losing because I got blown up by uh, by a bub bomb after after we went to sudden death. Um, mm. But it was it was a matter of like I was like, look, if this is the only guy that can beat me, I'm okay with that. Out of like <laughs> out of like you know the x amount of people that I like put a hurting on in college and like this guy like a guy that actually goes to tournaments um he's the one who lost to me i mean sorry i'm the one right I'm the, uh, like he's the one who beat me i'm okay with that 
I will, I'll be fine. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that that's what, um, you know, is was definitely missing from previous games is that, like, if you, since there wasn't, like, a, a really good story mode or there, there wasn't really a reason to hone your skills besides, like, beating your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, there is, like, an online thing and, and there's teams. There's, like, all these new modes that you can, you can do, like, three on three. You can do um, you versus the computer with three different characters. Yeah. Um, and like rotating in. And I think that they, if you're going to, you know, produce a game that that has the title of ultimate, um, you really do have to go above and beyond. I I think ultimately the like not so famous recommendation is uh, like, uh, you know, a glowing 10 out of 10, honestly. (laughs) Um, it, it just it just gets everything right. I would definitely recommend, um, you know, maybe if you get some extra Christmas money yeah. or if somebody does give you a, a, a Switch game, um, that then you have a reason to, to get into this console. There were there were some pretty good Black Friday deals, and I'm sure that we'll see the resurfacing of some of them um, after Christmas. Oh, you know it. As a matter of fact, I think last year I saw so many great deals after Christmas. I was like, well, hell, I just need to wait. And and uh, get my games after Christmas because they're so much cheaper. Yeah, um, I mean, people people always say that like Black Friday and then the weekend after Christmas are the like biggest sales of the year, mm-hmm. um, which I think is true. Um, usually, right? It's like all those things that didn't sell for Christmas they have extra stock of. Um, so they need to get rid of, mm-hmm. and they, they, they put those sales on them, and I think that that's going to be uh, definitely another big one for this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, just before, you know, our last little thing before we leave, yeah. um, what's the word, and head into our moment in the safe space as as audience and listeners demand... <laughs> Um, where's, thank you. We're, we're hurrying. We're, I'm going as fast as I can audience. Okay. Let us nerd out. Uh, please. Is, okay. We, we take one segment, a show to nerd out. This is a lot to cover. Okay. I'd like to see you do it. Um, I just want to touch briefly on the fact that also, you know, we had mentioned in past weeks, like, um, the Netflix shows, the, the Marvel Netflix shows were getting canceled. Daredevil was canceled on Netflix as well. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I know that, like, even Netflix released a statement and was like, our shows weren't very, like, binge-worthy this season, but... To me, that's because they were of, like, higher artistic quality. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed season three of Daredevil. I think it was... It was... It was awesome. It was consistent. It was the best. Um, it was definitely the strongest since the first season. I think so, too. And the first half of season two. Yes, with Punisher. Yeah. Which, speaking of that... I also heard that Punisher Season 2 is coming next month. It will be canceled the month after. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, we just have to fucking release which it is, and like give some people what they want and then we'll cancel which it. Which is such a, a shame because John Bernthal does such a great job as Punisher. Char- He's incredible. Charlie Cox did a great job as, as Daredevil. 
it's like it's like you 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 found the actors that could do it, and yeah. you were telling the stories right. the 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 biggest issue was there was no connective tissue to the MCU. That was always that was always the biggest issue with those with those shows. Um, but did you hear? Did you? And this is this has been going around for a while. And I'm, I'm sure you know this. Apparently, I guess Marvel the films are under a different production company, technically, than the Marvel television shows. Yes, I did hear that, but I didn't think that it would get in the way of something like this. Yeah. Um, And I know that we had mentioned, I think, last show, that, you know, they're probably canceling these so that they can bring them um, to their streaming service. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem like it anymore. Like, just I, the canceling of Daredevil made it seem a little too real without them, like, releasing a statement mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, that is what we're doing. Like, it's confirmed. They canceled Iron Fist, and I was like, okay, I get it. Right. Um, like, I was like, I'm reluctant because they left us with a cliffhanger, but, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, then they canceled Luke Cage, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right. And now they canceled Daredevil, and I'm like, okay, everybody, like, just relax. Like, stop taking the things that I love. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what happens, and maybe after Punisher Season 2 is released, mm-hmm. they will be like, okay, and now we're canceling that, and then, yes, you are right. Like, that is all the content that we were going to release, and now we're bringing it to Disney, uh, you know, streaming service. Um, at least that's what I hope. I... Uh... I certainly hope so because, I mean, at the moment, I just, um, at the moment, it's just at all signs point to them not wanting it, you know, them not wanting these, these shows anymore. And like I said, it sucks. But again, if you, if you're going to do something like that, then keep the actors, Yes, please. I mean, you've already established that they are in the MCU. Just right. keep the actors, you know, get a new production team or whatever, or whatever this this weird setup is with the films and the, the movies. I mean, sorry, the films and the uh, TV shows. Squ- yeah. Squash that. Fire whoever you need to fire. Like, look, I, at this point... I'm just gonna be a. I'm just gonna be a super fan. I don't care who has to lose their job. Just bring me back <laughs> my shows. Well, and I'll be like the nice Paula of the bunch <laughs> to your Simon, and be like, you don't have to fire them. Just like transition them, or like I don't know, like buy that you know production company. I, rectify it, Disney. We know that money is not the problem. Right. Um, like. I don't know. Just fix it. I want my thing. I want my thing. I want my thing. Um, I'm just, I'm just an upset child. You're a super fan, and I'm, I'm an upset child. I just, I just feel like just, just give me back Luke Cage. That's all I want. How, just bring him back, Luke. How dare you take him from us? Bring, you know what? You know, no, don't bring me back, Luke Cage. Bring me my damn. Heroes for Hire show, like I've been clamoring for since day one when Iron Fist was not so great. That's all I want. Just give me that. It's okay. It's okay. You are heard, Marcus. You're valid. 
here. Uh, you know what? This is reminding me. I think I think you need to step into the safe space and just you know take a moment here, take a deep breath. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm proud of you. We love you. Thank you. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> I know that's not what this segment is really for, but it it, it is right now. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like so, a true I mean, millennial uh, right now. <laughs> I know you're heard. If you need to take a moment, you can. All right, thank you. If you need to take a step, yeah, of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, getting into our moment in the safe space, there's only really one thing I want to talk about, and there's a lot of information. Um, have you, of, you've of course heard of um, the Michael Cohen sentencing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who haven't, at the time we are recording this, um, it, it has just you know dropped this afternoon that Michael Cohen uh, he had his sentencing hearing today. Um, Basically, he had pled guilty on August 21st to charges of tax evasion, campaign finance violations, meaning that he used or arranged use of campaign funds in an inappropriate way and um, lying to a financial institution. And then again, pleading guilty just a few weeks ago, November 29th, when Robert Mueller and the special counsel charged him with lying to Congress about the uh, uh, original charges of tax evasion, um, finance violations, all of that stuff. Um, Today, he was sentenced to three years and two months in prison. And I guess I just want to kind of like break down what um, this sentencing means for the administration and why this is such a big deal. Because a lot of people are like, okay, so he was found that he was lying. What was he lying about? Why does it matter? Right. Um, So this is all concerning the fact that Mr. Cohen was involved in that like hush money scandal um, to buy the silence of two women that you probably heard about back in April and May. Um, which he then lied to Congress about his involvement in and Trump's involvement and direction of him to uh, arrange these payments in an effort to follow Trump's lead, I guess, and like remain loyal. Um, It's been really messy um, and really, really, I mean, it reflects really poorly on our government and our politics right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And he actually got up and apologized today, saying his blind loyalty to Mr. Trump led him to ignore his own inner voice and moral compass, which is just pretty, pretty rough. I mean, (laughs) right? Right? Like, doesn't you you hear the guy lying on the stand, like, about our administration? He's like, yeah, I was just like, I, I don't know. I wasn't listening to my inner voice. Like, What? We're there now. Um, he needs. You know what I mean. He needs like, a moment in oh. a safe space. <laughs> he well, he has until March sixth when he is sentenced to uh, report to prison mm. to be in his safe fucking space. Right. Um, I mean, basically, he admitted in court today that he had arranged the payments for the principal purpose of influencing the election for president in 2016. Now, the payments included $130,000 to the adult film actress Stormy Daniels, um, which the government considers an illegal donation to Mr. Trump's campaign since it was intended to improve Mr. Trump's uh, election chances. Uh 
Um, and, you know, like the fact of this matter is the legal limit for individual contributions is uh, $2,700. Right. So this is hundreds of thousands of dollars over. He also arranged um, for an illegal corporate donation to be made to Mr. Trump when he orchestrated um, a $150,000 payment by the American Media uh, Incorporation to a former Playboy playmate, Karen McDougal, in late summer 2016. Now, this is where it gets, like, interesting and conspiracy-ish with, like, the corkboard and the string and, like, all of this stuff. So tell me if it doesn't make sense. Let me know if if you're still following Mm -hmm. me. Um, American Media Incorporated is the parent company of the National the National Enquirer, and it's through this company that Michael Cohen admitted in court today that he made that one hundred fifty thousand dollar payment to Karen McDougal. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the National Enquirer played this big part in covering up and silencing those women so that Trump's chances president uh, wouldn't be damaged. And the basically the AMI uh, came to an agreement back in September with federal prosecutors that was kept hidden until today um, that helped divulge the truth on this whole hush money scandal. And it was through the testimony of David Pecker, the chief executive of AMI, that led to the convictioning, uh, the conviction and sentencing of Michael Cohen today. Mm. Does that, does that all do, does my cork board line up? Yes. Um, so, I mean, first of all, that's that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. This means that, you know, like we, we now have hard proof for the first time. Um, we have, you know, testimony and conviction of the fact that Trump lied and, and directed someone to lie for him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to make illegal payments for him to women to secure their signs right. so that his chances at president wouldn't be hurt. Um, that's crazy. Now, like, what does, you know, what does, where's Trump in all this? Thanks for asking. Um, the New York Times says this on Trump's knowledge of the payments. Mr. Trump at first denied knowing anything about the payments, but then acknowledged that he had known about them. This week, he insisted that the payments were a quote unquote, simple private transaction, not election related spending subject to campaign finance laws. He also maintained that somehow, even if the hush money payments were campaign transactions Mm -hmm. in violation of election regulations, that they should be considered only a civil offense not a criminal one right because he wasn't president then yeah um so then since mr cohen came under uh, seriously like it's just it i know i sound like a crazy person but it's only because i i researched the hell out of this it is so baffling to me i'm like wait i must be missing something this can't be possible Mm -hmm. marcus i believe me when i say that we're not missing something this is this is real. <laughs> Mr. Cohen came under investigation and Trump mocked him, said he was a weak person who was giving information to prosecutors in an effort to obtain leniency when he was sentenced. Whereas, in fact, Mr. Cohen did not sign a formal cooperation agreement with the United States Attorney's Office in Manhattan or with the special counsel, Mr. Mueller. And he was not promised or guaranteed any leniency in exchange for his testimony. Mm -hmm. That means he gave this freely. There was no deal struck. There was nothing. He was just hoping if he told the truth that, you know, he wouldn't have to serve life. Right, right. 
Um, and it, I mean, it paid off there, you know, even the special counsel was like, he did help us. He did provide testimony even after, you know, like we, we had to go to AMI, that parent company to kind of get to him, but he did provide testimony and he didn't, uh, ask for, you know, a deal or, or sign anything with us. Um, but the judge was like, that of course does not wipe this slate clean. You have lied to the American people. Um, they deserve the truth. And he actually apologized to the American public and said, I, you know, it was this blind loyalty to Mr. Trump, um, and my own like greedy aspirations that led me to do this and you deserve the truth. So that's why I'm coming out with it. Um, and he was sentenced to the, the three years and two months, um, which is, you know, a pretty light sentence considering uh, everything that's happened, mm-hmm. but it's also not like two months, you know? Right. Um, now, finally, and I promise then I'll, I'll step out of the safe space and we can all breathe again. Um, <laughs> right. Meanwhile, some House and Senate Democrats are actually talking about impeachment, um, again, based on these findings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I told you earlier, but I, I know that I have quoted the New York Times plenty of times on this show, but I want you guys to know that when I do my research, I do it completely, and I do it from multiple sources. Um, half of this information has actually come from Fox News. Um, because I think it's important to understand, you know, that everybody's biases and all of the, the media, um, can be very biased. That's mind blowing. Um, though, that it came from Fox news. Yes. Some of these findings. So what I'm about to tell you, they are talking about the possibility of impeachment from, you know, Fox news perspective, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Um, and of course they're putting their own little spin on it, saying that it would be really hard and it would be. But um, I still think it's something important to talk about. Absolutely. So um, Senator Blumenthal um, tweeted, Significant sentence for Cohen recognizes that his crime was serious and sophisticated, showing Trump's was, too, as unindicted co-conspirator. And then um, uh, House Representative Adam Schiff said, Michael Cohen made the right decision to cooperate with the special counsel's office today. His sentencing demonstrates that nobody is above the law, not the personal lawyer of the president of the United States or the president himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, Fox was talking about this possibility of impeachment um, where they cited CNN's State of the Union on Sunday where incoming House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler said, I think what these indictments um, and filings show is that the president was at the center of several massive frauds against the American people. And Nadler is even talking about introducing legislation that would allow for a sitting president to be prosecuted for crimes and potential offenses after leaving office. Um, now there is still a bumpy road. That's what Fo- that's what Fox News was really trying to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, any sort of indictment or conviction of the president, even with Dems taking the House in January, right? Right. right. Um, Republicans still have the Senate by about um, three votes, and it takes a two thirds majority in the Senate to convict an impeached president. So, this is the beginning. Of some really hard, like good facts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and good steps towards uncovering the truth, yeah. and this is you know some some real hard evidence that could lead to impeachment hearings, mm-hmm. um, but it would take a lot more and quite a bit of of in- incontrovertible evidence to lead to an actual impeachment right. where you know seventy five senators 
said, he's out. Um, but that's I, I just think it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what world are we living in, right? I... I know I just talked a lot. Um, that was a lot of information, so take your time. I mean... I mean... I'm... It's it's weird. It's hard not to be somewhat excited by this news. It's hard it's huh. hard not mm-hmm. to to hear this and be like like all right, like maybe just maybe people will start to get it. People will start to understand um the type of man that is sitting in the oval office right now. Um, mm-hmm. now, now look, I'm, I, I'm going to try to be as, you know, moderate as possible, <laughs> just, but I cannot, I cannot say that <sighs> you're upset by any of no, this. No, not at all. Or that, or that I'm surprised by any of this at all. When I heard this news, mm. I was like, oh my God. Finally, yes, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, and I, I think it's because it's about the truth, right? Yes. If you want to, you know, maintain a moderate stance, like it, it doesn't have to be Democrats, Republicans. We're fighting each other. Republicans all think that he should stay in office, and Democrats all think he should leave. I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's hard not to be excited about this because it is what like what you're saying. It's the truth. Right. Yes. Um, we we want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do want to know. We want to know, and it's and it's for the same reason. Um, it's for the same reason that I feel like it, it, so many people are are losing faith in him. So many Republicans are losing faith in him. I don't think that they'll. Mm-hmm. I don't think Republicans will ever flat out turn their back on him, but. I definitely don't hear as many Republicans talking about how much, you know, he's going to, quote unquote, drain the swamp or do any of the other things. You know, it's just like now it's it's just it's ridiculous. He is ridiculous. Right. And I. I'm interested to see what happens in the coming weeks. I'm actually interested, I, and, I, and I'm going to try to see if I can pull it up. I'm actually interested because he has not tweeted yet. He's not tweeted one thing yet. Um, I don't think. I I do. I will have to push back there. I do think that he did tweet. Um, like, he did comment um, while the hearing was happening this he morning. He did. He did. Um he had a couple of comments. He, you know, like I said um, earlier, he was like, this is all weak. You know, he's just pandering for a, we- uh, a lighter sentence. Um, uh, Rudy Giuliani came on, um, I think it was Fox or maybe CNN, um, and was like, you know, this is all just like, I feel bad for Michael Cohen. He's uh, a serial liar. Mm-hmm. Um, and on behalf of the president, this is total bullshit. Um but he has been, I will say, agree with you, that he has been pretty quiet mm-hmm. um, in comparison to um, certain other hearings or certain other, um, you know, uh, stepping stones in the um, investigation uh, concerning the special counsel. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's kind of because this one came out of left field and it wasn't entirely from the special council. It was also from the city of Manhattan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was, you know, in partnership with this executive from AMI to divulge this information um, and get this secret testimony, right. um, which is incredible. You know, that's like uh, what makes America great. Originally, I think, <laughs> is our democratic and judiciary processes, mm-hmm. right? Um, the fact that it doesn't all have to be under the media spotlight yep. until it's over. I think that that's what the best news about this was, is that I was like, oh my god, I hadn't heard anything about this in a while. Mm-hmm. I had heard that he pled guilty in a couple of weeks ago, but then I hadn't heard anything. Yeah. And now it's like we had a sentencing hearing, all of this stuff coming to light. We didn't want to tell you because we wanted to make sure that, it, you know, everything lined up. Here it is. Here's the actual unequivocal truth. Yeah. Here are the facts, um, which is really it's good to hear. It's refreshing to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like we put in we kind of in, il- elected the swamp and now it's finally getting drained. Yeah. Well, we can only like I said, we can only just hope that things will start to I can't I can't say get better. I don't think it I don't think things can ever truly get better, especially when it comes to politics. Mm. I think the best you can mm-hmm. the best you can ask for is that things change. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, all these you know, all these different minority groups and whatnot. And 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 the thing is you know, being black, you know, you re- you realize something. You realize that it's not, it's never going to be perfect. It can't be. Human mm-hmm. nature will not allow life to be perfect for everybody. Right. But things can get better. I think if I think if you don't think that way, then you lose hope. And I think that's when. That's when the world becomes a lot darker of a place. And I think that's when you have the issues that you see today happening. And you see the anger mm. from people and the confusion from people and the sadness from people. You know, I was talking to my mother the other day. The world is just filled with such intense sadness anymore. And it's because I feel mm-hmm. we look at the news, we look at these things, we look at, we look at moments like this and we lose hope. And yeah. the thing is, though, we we can't we can't just lose hope. We can't just let it go. We've got to we've got to hold on to that and just and you know st- strive for something better. Know that know that it's never going to be perfect. It's not, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be right. better than what it is right now. We just have to keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's what's encouraging about this news um, is that people are still yep. fighting um, because it is hard. Like people say, you know, like I've just given up on the news. I just can't follow it for my own mental health. And like I understand that. And I hope that this segment on this show is a little bit of a break mm-hmm. um, in that regard. Um, and that you do just feel like it's like I'm just catching up. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it, I think what was exciting about this was that it did feel like 
incontrovertible truth. No one can argue with me about it, right? It's not about bipartisan lines. It's about there were lies and cover-ups and frauds and payments, and we can trace them, and we have testimony, and someone was convicted today. And that feels like a step in an honest direction. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great. Yeah. And I am excited to see where it goes. Um, now, our next segment is actually going to be a little different tonight. Um, yeah. You, yeah, I'm, oh, you're excited. I am. <laughs> you, I can tell, <laughs> I can tell you're excited. <laughs> because I, it's, it's going to be great. I got off my, Marcus, I got off my soapbox and was like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've just been playing with your emotions tonight. <laughs> like, you're like, bring me back Luke Cage. I'm like, it's okay. And like. What about this? <laughs> what about what about Michael Cohen? And now you're like, this segment's gonna be different! Yay! <laughs> um, I feel like my voice has changed every uh, every segment. <laughs> like the first well, segment, the first be- segment is kind of like I feel like normal range. Then that last segment got real deep, and this one, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, I'll. I'll try and change my voice as well. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so we're not going to do Kanye's Corner typical um, just because we're looking to the new year. And you brought up the idea of doing Spotify's uh, 2018 Wrapped yeah. on air. So do you have it pulled up? I do. Awesome. Um, so audience, if you haven't heard... Um, Spotify did this awesome thing called um, 2018 Wrapped. They did it last year, too. Um, It's to kind of just show you, like, your listening habits, to tell you some different things that have been going on, like your top artists and things like that. And they compile it all very conveniently and fun for you. And, uh, Marcus, you and I are going to do it live on the air. So I've got my information plugged in. Let's get started. All right, let's hit it. All right. What are your okay? So this one says first. Yes. What is your uh, what? Is it, what are your firsts for this so, year? What did you start twenty eighteen listening? I to? started by listening to "Ain't That Why" by R three Hab. Or I guess Rehab. Um, and the first artist you discovered was Discord. I huh. don't actually know either of those things. I was like, what? Apparently, I guess that was the first song. I guess that was the first song I listened to, and that was the first new artist that I discovered. I I know R three Hab or Re. I, I I guess I need to figure out how to pronounce their name. I know that song. That's a Cruella song, um, an EDM. Mm-hmm. But uh, Discord, I actually don't. That was probably like something random that was on shuffle mode for me. Um, yeah. So that was my. Those were my first. What about yours? Interesting. Um, so my first, um, you're going to be really flattered. Um, I started 2018 by listening to Popcorn Prattle. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Aren't you so happy? I do. <laughs> um, I don't, I did not plan that and I'm not making that up. Um, I have no idea why I started 2018 by listening. I must have been, you guys must have, like, released a fun New Year's episode or Christmas episode or something. Yeah. Um, 
but so I thought that that was really cute. Um, and then, yeah, the first artist I discovered was Harvey R. Cohen, who is like an American composer, and it just makes me seem old because I listen to a lot of jazz. And he's a jazz composer. <laughs> nice. um, so v- very all over the map. Let's go to the next one. Um, right. Oh, this is Minutes Listened. Can you guess how many minutes you spent listening this year? Um... I actually, I'm now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna tell the truth. I actually did this before the air, like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, but I forgot. Okay, so I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to this. Um, I was gonna say I have never done this. It's telling me um, fourteen thousand one hundred eighty-two minutes, uh, sixteen thousand four hundred eighty minutes, and fifteen thousand two hundred minutes. I'm going to say 16. Nope. Uh, oh, okay, it's telling me 14,182 minutes wow. is how much, which is a lot. I, I do. You want to know how many I had? Do you have, like, triple me? I have 48,307 minutes. <laughs> Holy shit. I listen to a lot of music. Mitchell, there was that one day, remember I was listening to, uh, I was listening to I Love 90s Hip Hop in the background. Yeah. We were, like, always, we were, like, having a conversation, and, like, every so often, it was, like, early days, like, pre-planning for Not So Famous when Not So Famous didn't even have a name. And I was like, hold up, Mitchell. I'm like, do you hear the song? And I'm like, oh, man, this is, oh, I can't believe this song is on this playlist right now. <laughs> That's how I spend my See, Saturdays. I think it's, I think you are not weird. I think I am weird. I'm, I'm sure my minutes are pretty uh-huh. low just because I don't think that I committed to, um, like, I think I actually had an old Spotify premium account, oh. like, a couple of years uh-huh, ago. Uh-huh. And then recently I changed and we did, like, a family plan with my sister Got and I. You. So I'm sure that mine is lower than others. Um, so don't feel bad. It's okay. I about to say, so it's like a reset. Um, yeah, I'm sure it must be something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I definitely would have... I listen to music constantly when I'm going to work and I'm on my bike and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's okay, Marcus. You're, you're, you're still loved. All right, I'm just checking. Um, <laughs> what's, ne- <laughs> what's next? Oh, top artist. Ooh, I'm um, excited for this. What's your top artist? My top artist is my man's, and I'm telling you right now, especially now that we have a Twitter, I want to, uh, I want to uh, uh, tag him in this. It's my man Serengeti. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes, it's my man Serengeti. Go you. Uh, I spent 36 hours with your favorite artist, and the pleasure was all theirs. <laughs> Bruh. Um, now I'm, in, I get to be the one embarrassed. My favorite, uh, top artist was Drake. <laughs> Drake. And, I, and not only, what did you say you spent with Serengeti? 36, 36 hours? 36 hours, yeah. Bro, I spent 54 hours with you Drake. You spent, you spent over two days with Drake. <laughs> I spent like two and a half days what? with Drake. And <laughs> the pleasure was not all his, it was all mine. <laughs> Bruh. I didn't even spend two days with Serengeti because I had to like listen to his album and stop and think about it, and then. So, <laughs> so you're saying I should try and get Drake on the show? Is that I what think you're we saying? should try to get Drake on the show? I'm gonna tag Drake. Too. <laughs> I'm gonna tag Serengeti and I'm gonna tag Drake. We'll see who gets on the I'm air first. Tag Drake. 
I'm a tag Kanye. Um, okay, the next one, the charts, the charts, the charts. Um, moving on. Ba, ba, ba. Oh, okay. So this is like more top artists, okay. top songs, and top genres. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. I was gonna say, okay, this is awesome. This tells you exactly the kind of music I listen to. Uh, same. This is so funny. <laughs> um, top artists: Drake. Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino, and Chance the Rapper. Wow. We have two of the same. Okay. Uh, What, Kanye and Kendrick? (laughs) Boom! Uh... Boom. The other ones, which I'm, I'm kind of, su- well, no, I'm not surprised because when, when Kanye, when Kanye went crazy, I, I mm-hmm. listened to a lot of Serengeti. So it, right. That must've been your, your 36 hours. Yes. <laughs> Cause after, after Kanye said all that stuff about slavery, I had to listen to Serengeti. Um, you were like, pass. <laughs> um, so it's Serengeti, Kanye West. Uh, Cruella, Kendrick Lamar, and Janelle Monet. Mm. I was a big, I was big yeah. on Janelle Monet this year with Dirty Computer. I was gonna say Dirty Computer was good, oh man, so good. Um, all right, what are your top songs? Um, let me see. It is This Is America, um, <laughs> Childish Gambino. Uh, Dude, you know why I laughed. What? Because Why? my first song is This Is America. <laughs> God bless. I love you, dog. Um, I've got um, To Pimp a Butterfly on here. Um, I've got Survival from uh, Drake. I've got Hey Mama from Kanye West. Okay. I've got some good ones. They're all my same top artists, though. They're all like different songs. Oh, see, I I do not. I have some. I have some like. So, of course, this is America. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have two Childish Gambino songs. I have which I have ones? This is America, and then I have Sweatpants. Ooh, yeah, yeah. From uh, something. It's from this. It's from the internet because oh, because of the internet. Uh, that album. I was gonna say. Um, my second top song is "I Like It" by Cardi B. Oh, I don't okay. Care, I don't into care it. what people say. It. That was the summer anthem. See, I'm gonna say I'm surprised that um, uh, "Summertime Magic" didn't make it onto my top songs because I listened to that song so many Ooh, times. That was a good song. Um, but I'm sure it's just like you know the sixth song or something yeah. like that. Um, Venom, <laughs> music from the motion picture Venom by Eminem, which has a sick wow. beat. I'm sick actually beat. really proud it, of it, you. Hey, man, I love that beat. Eminem. <laughs> we know, we know, and Spotify knows. Uh, and then my last song, of course, Fourth Dimension. Because of all the, mm, because okay. of all the beats that are on here, Fourth Dimension has the hottest. Mm. Mm. What are your top genres? All, all good recommendations. Um, my top genres. Let me see here. Are pop, hip hop, jazz, indie, 
and R&B. I feel like where you listen to a lot of jazz, I was listening to a lot of EDM. Okay, Be- fair enough. Yeah, and I mean, I listen to a lot of, like, we, I get on these rabbit holes, right? Yes. Like, I hear one, like, uh, uh, common, oh my god, like, I heard the other mm. day, I heard um, They Say mm-hmm. with Common and Kanye mm-hmm. West, mm-hmm. and it was playing in my restaurant, of all places. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like, it's got that great hook. They say what's happening, you say what's happening, they lie, da, 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 mm-hmm. right? And it's like super R&B chill. And then, like, I, you know, put that into Spotify, put it on a radio, and then it, like, mixes in some, like, jazz, hip-hop, or it's like jazz, someone's playing a saxophone and then somebody's rapping, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> so it's like, I feel like that's why it's like, top genre is, like, you listen to jazz and hip hop at the same fucking time because you're crazy, <laughs> right? Um, what? So your top? You have EDM and like, yeah, uh, like I literally have like dubstep and stuff. I literally have everything that you have except for trade out jazz um, with uh, dance electronic, but I have hip hop, pop, nice. indie, dance electronic, and R and B. Damn. Yeah. Why are we the same person? Exactly. Because really, I mean, really, like, when I listen to hip-hop, it's usually lo-fi hip-hop, which is essentially just right. jazz hip-hop fusion. Right. You know, so... Well, we we got to trade playlists now. That's what this means. We're bringing people together. It's true. It's true. Spotify is bringing people together. This was a great idea, Spotify, by the way. <laughs> this, was, this is all you. You get all the credit for this idea. This is awesome. Um... And Spotify, if you're listening, give us money. I was about to say, you know, or just give us premium free for a year, and we'll do it again next year. God, I'll do it again every year. (laughs) Right? I'm cheap as shit. I want to save my whatever bucks a month, five bucks a month or whatever. Um, Okay, so the next one's just a top 100. We should trade those. Yes, we should. Um, We should trade them, and we should also drop it as a... uh, uh, drop the links in our Twitter account, which everyone you should follow us on at not so famous pod one on Twitter. Oh yes, yeah. I'm so proud Thank of you. you, Marcus. Thank you for creating. It only this. it only took me a month. <laughs> that's that's okay. We're busy people. Right. <laughs> um, not so famous pod one. Yes. yes, we will absolutely drop these links. Um. Next is oh my favorite musical subgenre is pop rap. Oh my there god! There are about seven million listeners who love this type of music. I know they. I know they are because I also. <laughs> I, I also love pop rap. <laughs> god, Marcus, it's just me, you, and about six million nine hundred ninety-eight thousand other listeners. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what's next? Audience, we're actually just reading from oh. the same spot. We're actually in the same room. We're just reading from the same list. We are not. <laughs> You're in Virginia. I wish we were. Don't tease me like that on the air. <laughs> you know I love you so much, Marcus. <laughs> um, oh, this one's interesting. Oldest song. What's your oldest song, Okay, Marcus? this is my oldest song, but to be fair, okay... 
I don't actually listen to this song. Um, it's Blue Suede Shoes by Elvis Presley. And the only reason why I have this is because I run sound for your mom during the dance unit. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. So it, and we use my Spotify account. So it just, it shows up. You just don't want to admit on the air that you love Elvis I Presley. Do I don't, I don't want this in my little mix. I'm like, no. Well, I can completely own up to my oldest okay. song. Like I said, I listen to a lot of just like random jazz music. And my oldest song is, um, I remembered, I remember Clifford recorded in 1956 by Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. <laughs> you and that jazz, man. I, bruh, when I'm not listening to rap, I just listen to, like, weird jazz from the old days. It's crazy. <laughs> it's good music to, like, study to, or, like, when I'm editing the podcast right. and stuff. I don't know. I need to get you, uh, I need to get you into this dude. It's, he's, like, he's really jazz hip-hop uh, fusion. His name's Substantial. I okay. met him at Blurred Con. Real, real uh, stand-up guy. Love to get him on the air. Um, hint, hint, wink, wink, substantial. Because I'm going to tag you. We're going to have substantial. We're going to have Drake. Drake. We're going to have Serengeti. Serengeti. We're going to have Kanye. Everyone's going to be on this. <laughs> uh, our next guest, listeners, is um, former President Barack Obama. So... <laughs> We're really shooting for the exactly. stars here. You got, you got to aim high. <laughs> what a <laughs> aim high on the show that's literally called "Not So Fucking right. Famous." <laughs> Not so famous. I don't feel like I can be on that show. I'm too famous. <laughs> who are these schmucks? Yeah, Drake's like. Do, do you know who I am? Yeah. You... I'm sorry, Drake. I listened to you for 54 fucking hours. Yes, I know who you I'm are. Like, yeah, you're wheelchair Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, oh I pulled God. out Degrassi reference. <laughs> Holy shit. Degrassi. Good times. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's in the stars. Oh. In 2018, you listened to... what? What's your star sign? Okay. Wait a minute. Let's, say, let's, let's see if it's the same one. We're going to say it at the same time. Okay. Ready? Okay. Yeah, three, two, two one. One Gemini Scorpio. Oh, never mind. Damn it. <laughs> this whole time we've been like, we've been in sync, and this is the one time that we like, like, oh, we're gonna be so sure we're like synced up. <laughs> but this is why listeners are like, see, okay, I didn't know if they were kidding about being in the same room or not. They're definitely not. <laughs> we wouldn't have embarrassed ourselves like that. You lied to me. Um, <laughs> I listen to more Scorpio artists like Drake and Frank Ocean than any other star sign. I listen to more Gemini artists like Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar than any other star sign. Huh. Interesting. You and that Drake. I guess Frank... I got Drake and Frank Ocean, which is interesting because he wasn't in my top Mm -hmm. artists. But I do listen to, like, um, Blonde and um, Orange, you know? Um... A lot, so I'm. That's interesting that it showed up here and not elsewhere. Yeah. Hmm. This next one. Oh, taste breakers. This would be interesting for us to um, share on Twitter as well. It's start 2019 by broadening your horizons. We've made you a playlist of songs from genres and artists you don't normally explore. I I actually listened to mine this morning. Um, oh, like I I listened to like a few songs. They're all right. I think. 
I think I need to like just do shuffle mode on like a weekend when I'm cleaning, and just like yes, you know, yes, so that you're not like really, you know, bogged down or like only listening to every song because then you're gonna like deconstruct it and be like, wait, but I don't like this. But you might find some good songs in there, and that's worthwhile. Good on you, Spotify. Most definitely, Spotify is really good about introducing me to new artists that I had never thought about before. Mm-mm. Yes, it is. And it's great about being like, do you want to create like a radio or like, do you, have you heard of this person mm-hmm. because you're listening to a lot of this? I think that's great. Um, this was a lot of fun. Now it's just saying I can share it. Um, was, which is cool. Mine didn't show me that. Mine went to all talk. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if it's I don't be- know what's all talk. It's because I've done this before or what? Yeah, it just took me directly to all talk. So all talk is... Uh, Basically, it is um, podcasts I listen to. Oh, and um, in between tunes, you tuned in some quality podcasts. Your favorite was the Book of Yay with Rob Hayes and Chris Daniels. Basically, basically, Spotify is like we have located Kanye West's biggest fan. <laughs> I love that. I love um, that. The Book of Yay. I actually talked to these guys on Twitter. Very cool guys. They were, um, they kind of went on a bit of a hiatus when Kanye went full Kanye. Um, mm. You never mm-hmm. go full Kanye. Um, but <laughs> never go full Kanye. I, I think they might be the best Kanye West podcast on the internet. Um, so, and I say that because I really want them to have me guess so I can talk about my favorite Kanye West song. <laughs> Absolutely, and we'd love to have yeah. them here. Um, and well, then the second one was, and then it says, and you also dug Hannibal Burris' Handsome Rambler, which nice. I, I've talked to you about several times. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, do you use um, Spotify primarily for podcasts? I do. Like when you I listen? It's, just, it's convenient. I totally get that. See, I usually listen to them on Apple Podcasts oh, okay. because... You know, I separate them, so maybe I just, uh, besides starting the year with you, babe, um, I, maybe I just didn't listen to that many podcasts on, on Spotify. Right. <laughs> we were, um, you, well, this was a lot of it was, fun. It was Popcorn Proud by default. They were like, you listen to one, so we're going to give this yeah, one to you. You listen, <laughs> right. I mean, and that's, you know, I'm glad, you, I'm jealous that you got, like, a thing that I didn't, um, but... <laughs> Well, you, no, but I understand you might because I I just got taste breakers. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. No, mine mine's done. It's telling me to share it. Oh, is yours like like hey, I've got nothing else for you. Stop clicking me. Yeah, which must be just because of like that switch. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, in my service because mm-hmm. I've had this now for At- two, no, three years now. Damn. Yeah, so I've got like my top songs from 2018, 2017, 2016. So yeah. Dang, man. Uh, you got me that's beat. That's exciting. Spotify needs to send me some money. Or again, yeah, at you're... least uh, be like, hey. At least. <laughs> I'll wave. A year free. I'll wave that premium fee for you. <laughs> We're talking you up, Spotify. It's the least you could do. I'm at them. 
Now that we have a Twitter, I'm, I'm just adding do everybody. It. <laughs> do it, Marcus. You. Do I'm it. I'm going to add you. I'm going to add you. And you're going to give me some money. <laughs> um, speaking of our new Twitter, <laughs> so it's uh, at NotSoFamousPod1, yes. right? That's so exciting. Where else can um, people find you, Marcus? Uh, folks at home, you can always find me. On my own personal Twitter, at Mark, M-A-R-C, underscore, Leroy, L-A-R-O-Y. And, of course, you can always hear me on our sister, brother, I don't know, um, I don't, familial, familial, yeah, familial podcast, <laughs> um, Popcorn Prattle, um, for all of your film talk needs, where uh, we, you know, if you, if you enjoyed, if you did not skip our big Avengers talk, um, we were having talks all sorts like that, um, all sorts like that, on uh, Popcorn Prattle. So check it out. It's cool. Awesome. Um, and folks at home, you can always find me um, at Le Modern Gentleman on Instagram or as Mitchell Hansen on Facebook. Um, I'm so excited that we have this Twitter. I'm going to get up all up in yeah. that. It's going to be so exciting. And you know who also has, like, a Twitter and a Facebook and all the social media things and more? Who that? Our special guest coming up next in our next segment inside the Everyday Artists Studio. Um, so now we're going to take a short break and hear from our sister, brother, familial podcast, Popcorn Prattle. Um, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, it's Marcus Sally from Popcorn Prattle, and I hope that you are having a wonderful, happy holiday. I just wanted to personally invite you to the Popcorn Prattle Christmas Party. It is going to be such a great episode. You do not want to miss it. So make sure that you subscribe to Popcorn Prattle right now so that you don't miss a thing. See you there. This week on Inside the Everyday Artist Studio, we have with us calling in all the way from San Francisco, USA, Marin Huntsberger. Marin is a jack of many trades, as are we all. She majored in biology and environmental science, and her love of science and all things nerdy, especially microbes, is only rivaled by her love of writing and performance. So now she combines all of them because, you know, who says you can't have your cake and eat it too, apparently, as a science communicator. She got a master's from Imperial College London in just that, science communication, and now makes her living as a content creator. That means she makes and performs in fun, creative, and accessible videos about science for various scientific institutions like Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and media companies like Seeker. Plus, she gives talks and workshops for scientists on how to use storytelling and acting and improv techniques to effectively and entertainingly communicate science to the public and to policymakers. Wow, Marin, that is incredible. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mitchell. It's so, so cool to get to talk to you guys about it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we, we're so excited to have you. Yeah. Um, and especially because I think, you know, science and art are are pretty pretty diametrically opposed things, you know, like they're, they're, they're on opposite sides of the spectrum, at least. They can seem that way. They can definitely seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> at least when you first think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like that's kind of really what I want to get into. I mean, you do uh, a lot of videos for, like I mentioned uh, in your bio, Seeker, and I think mm-hmm. that that name is pretty apt considering you know this thought of where I think science and art, or at least you know my understanding of theatrical art, um, intersect. Um, Absolutely. No, I think that's such a good point, and that's that's actually typically the the point that I make to people who have that question who are like well those things are like totally unrelated how did you end up doing that and my answer to that is always that like at the root of both of them it's mm-hmm. just asking questions mm-hmm. both of them are just wanting to know more about why mm-hmm. so for example like what I love so much about acting is getting to know why someone behaves the way they behave like I don't know if you guys would agree but I feel like acting at its very heart is trying to figure out why a person is the way they are and then of course like mm-hmm. ch- trying to change all that in in a performance of of, of that person mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for science especially like i mean i guess maybe the two most related like that idea about acting is most related to say maybe psychology but even mm-hmm. if you take the harder sciences i mean all the way to physics applied math chemistry everything like that is just wanting to know more about why something is the way it is mm-hmm. and how it behaves so i think at their core they're the same thing it's just that one is deals more with say like maybe emotions and relationships in the case of acting and that's very unquantifiable right mm-hmm. whereas things in the physical world and the natural world tend to be quantifiable although maybe not as much as we would like to think and so there's more of a structure around that question asking process that we call the scientific method but i think they're pretty much the same if you look at it the right way I think so, too. I mean, I, you know, my my big observation while I've been thinking about this is just what you're saying. Like the uh, it's it's all about trying to find uh, subjective truth in art. Mm, right? It's mm-hmm. what your personal experience is, what you're talking about, emotions, right, um, right. like unquantifiable. And and science and science is all about finding objective truth, like facts. You know, what, how do I put it together? But it, it is all founded on the, the what you're saying, those same things. Why is this the way that it is? Or mm-hmm. how is this the, the way that it is? Um, totally. And then, you know, putting different processes uh, together to get to an answer. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 think... I like what you said about, like, you know, even harder sciences like math or, or physics or things like that. Like, th- there's kind of a math to human emotion. We just don't. Oh, yeah. We just don't put it together. But it mm-hmm. is like, you know, mm-hmm. X plus Y, this person's reaction plus, you know, my past equals this reaction right to it's true there, there's a formula and a logic to to most things and i say that not in their like you know strict definitions but just mm-hmm. that that everything like and, and also human brains are just totally programmed to seek patterns mm-hmm. and so we see that not only in our our behaviors as humans, but also in the way we try to ask questions in science. Like we're always looking for, okay, how do these things come together? What are the commonalities? And you know, your point about truth is very interesting because I think you're right that that for the most part we think of art as subjective truth and science as objective truth. Mm-hmm. But I actually would kind of push back against that. I think science mm-hmm. We, we get really caught up, especially in just sort of like this public mindset about science mm-hmm. that like, okay, we've come to a quote unquote scientific conclusion and that is the truth forever and a fact is it totally immutable and mm. will never change. And like that is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> like I think that um, that uh, science is actually way more malleable 
than anybody has ever been like led to believe. Mm. And and that that's I don't think that was like a, a purposeful deception on science's part. It's just that it has sort of gained this like superhuman um the uh, like image in the public mindset. Whereas like for example, um like say in diet and exercise science or something like that, we're seeing mm-hmm. results change all the time. Mm-hmm. And for things like that, especially like physiology, health, um, it's so individualized that there is no one truth. Like there is no, mm. no one rule. And that's what we're looking for in science or what people think science are, is looking for. Whereas I just always call it this more structured way of asking questions. And those questions aren't necessarily going to get you one answer Mm -hmm. they're going to get you to a better understanding of how to ask more questions Mm. so so i think that that um when it comes to truth science is is less uh definite Mm -hmm. than a lot of people want to think and um we, we often stop thinking about science like when, say, the paper is published, like the facts come mm. out and then it's done. But I think, you know, a huge, huge, maybe perhaps even the most important part about science is what happens to it after that and how people interpret it. Mm. And that's where I think the truth starts to matter is that you can take a fact and do literally whatever you want with it. I mean, as we see in all kinds of media exchanges, like science can be manipulated in any way anybody wants to Mm -hmm. and make it a truth for whatever they're trying to argue. Yeah. Yeah. And so science is not true. Science is, is basically like totally neutral. It just matters what you do with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. And I also think it's interesting that you, you know, pushed back against that uh, idea of objective truth. I think that's incredible because, I mean, what I'm hearing is that basically the the method matters more than the result, which is what I would argue good theater is, good acting is, mm-hmm. investigation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The process mm-hmm. is a lot of the time more important than the actual result, Um at least for the artist making it. I know that when I'm doing something, if I feel a particular, um, you know, challenge in my work, mm-hmm. that means I'm, I'm doing something right. I haven't figured it out yet, but I will, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's exactly the same. I mean, you could apply that exact same sentiment to scientists working in a lab. Um, I think the, the only difference is that science... Like, okay, we could talk about uh, payment, you know, in in a lot of different ways. Who gets paid to do that process? And for artists, obviously, we struggle getting paid to do it at all Mm -hmm. um, and for Mm -hmm. people to find the the value in that. And with scientists, yes, they get paid to do it, but they're restricted in such big ways by the funding. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in large part, science has become competition for money. Like, what kind of experiment can you design to sort of angle it towards this grant um, that you that you want to get and who are you competing against and so I see a lot of my young scientists friends really burn out on that kind of uh, that that aspect of science is because they yeah. all they want to be doing is is finding themselves and more information and learning more about their work and their fields through the process but that process is so restricted by how you can get the money to keep doing it so mm-hmm. I think you're right. You're so right about the process, like taking all of that into account, not only the money, but also uh, like who who's doing the science. Right. We don't often think of scientists as real people. And every person (laughs) comes to everything with their own bias and their own experience and their own context. And so you have to consider that when you think about the results or the, the why of 
the way a, an experiment was done is like it was done by a person and people are really flawed. <laughs> yeah, but there's always I, I, another scientist or another sample size or another group being interviewed. You know, that's the, the good thing, I think. Um, yeah. That, I at least try to keep up with, with, especially in, you know, science um, or news-based science, like, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, big declarations that come out. Like, um, I was recently talking with a friend that was like, yeah, there was a new study and they proved that, um, you know, video games um, lead to violent actions in the real mm -hmm, world. And I was like, mm -hmm. what? And so I did all of this investigation. And proved I, I is a dangerous word. <laughs> I, right. And I, I went to multiple different, uh, you know, websites and and different um, forums and found all sorts of differing opinions. But really, like, when I actually got into, like, the published science article, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like, the actual scientific findings, it was very, like you're saying, it was neutral, right? It was like, these are our findings in these people at this time. Exactly. Um, it's so cautious. It's so minute. Like, science, real science never draws broad sweeping conclusions from its, its work. Well, and I, I think that that is, you know, an interesting thing to keep in mind uh, um, and something that you, you are providing us perspective on, because I think you're right. I think a lot of the times we're just like, oh, and, you know, the hundred scientists working in a lab in the dark over there, um, <laughs> they found that um, people are bad and that's that's it forever. Um, totally, totally. No, it's so true. And I, I actually think like to our point about art and science being diametrically opposed, I think we found more commonalities there than one would think. But I think what are diametrically opposed are journalism and science, mm -hmm. um, especially in like the news world of today, where like the flashiest headline, the clickbait headline and thumbnail or picture are what are going to make the most money and get, you know, that publication, uh, you know, earn them revenue in this world where we're like, it's totally cutthroat and like print is dead and all of that jazz. And so obviously like you're going to want to have something that will attract as many readers as possible or many, as many viewers as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be so far, like, like you said, from the results section of that scientific paper that it's, it's almost like completely mutated. Damn, you're dropping the realness. You know, I think about this every day. <laughs> Well, have an existential crisis hourly. <laughs> hey, no, we have to keep it real. We have to, we have to, you know, feel the existential dread as it creeps in. Right. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, talking about Marcus, Marcus is really having an existential crisis. Marcus, Marcus really, that really resonated with Marcus. <laughs> it's okay to cry, buddy. Oh, I, 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 listen, I, I am just, I, I cannot stop listening to Marin right now. I, I just want to say that. Like, yeah. Like, it's just, like, just everything you're saying right now is just like, incredibly fascinating. And just, I have never, I've never looked at, um, you know, science from this perspective and just, because to me, science has always kind of been, been boring. Um, totally. And it's just being totally. from, like, in, from, like, an artist's perspective and then also, like, you know, coming at it from, like, a writer's perspective and even coming from, you know, my history background. You know, I, I used to, like, have to defend so much, you know, talking about how, like, like mm. no, guys, like, mm -hmm. like history, like, like I, I can explain to you exactly how I'm using my history courses to influence my acting and I'm telling you I'm getting stronger because of it. Um, and it's and it's interesting because I feel like I feel like I had the the counter argument of well you can't do with everything and I think I cited science mm. 
as being the thing that mm-hmm. you could not really relate to, um, you know, from an artistic huh. perspective. But now so it's kind of like, <laughs> like, I kind of wish that we could go back in time so that college me <gasps> could listen to this. Um, my God. (laughs) Yes. This is what I'm hoping to do. Well, and see, you make such a good point because I think what's missing from science for a lot of artistic people Mm. is the draw of the narrative, Mm. right? Like as humans, Mm. we're just built to be drawn to stories. Like that's how we interpret the world. That's how we learn how to be people. And, you know, the artists among us are like, you know, very drawn to that and want to keep creating that and living through that. And I think we empathize and we encounter each other. And I mean, that's what we were speaking of history. That's what we were doing before we were writing Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 science has really pushed that out of itself, essentially, because we have this association of story with subjective truth. Mm. Going back to like the very top of our conversation, and so so science, I think, has sort of really aligned itself with this very like lacking in emotion perspective because emotions can't be trusted to like you know contribute to this pursuit of objective truth that we're trying to get (laughs) to in science which we've already discussed is like kind of a fallacy um but so so my point is that i think science has done itself a huge disservice Mm -hmm. in in distancing distancing itself from the narrative because the narrative i mean in its simplest form is like problem potential solution climax resolution and that's what science is. It's like, okay, here's this issue, here's this question, here's what we did to find it out, here are our results, here's what we think about it. Mm. And if we could just try and present that narrative that's already there in in a more connected way, with more emotion, with more humanity, then I think so many more people would be interested in doing science, would be interested in learning about science, and would have the bandwidth for that kind of like detail and nuance that we're talking about, where it's not just like, and it's this... And we're done. It's like, well, it raised this questions and here are these caveats and there there's that kind of thing. But I think people just have this association of science with with dry, boring, no story. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And it's something we could change. Yeah. But you know, you know what the example is? I immediately think of when you say like uh, blending, you know, narrative and uh, science mm-hmm. that we don't really think about is like those um, detective shows. Like Mm. science, you know, and the scientific method, like you're saying, is an investigation into a question. And in like a detective show, it's a mystery, right? The question Mm -hmm. is like, where were they and how did this happen and who was, you know, involved? And then in in a lot of detective shows, there is direct science involved, but they kind of cut that out, right? They're like, and we send it away to the lab and it came back and... Her DNA wasn't there, so yeah. like we can't, exactly. we can't prove it. Um, <laughs> but you know that narrative, it kind of cuts out the the science and and puts more um, emphasis on the emotion or that person's testimony mm-hmm. or that person's mm-hmm. story. And there is a way to to blend those. And the other obvious example is what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean this this science communication, doing these videos. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about like how you, how you got that experience, Mm. how you got that opportunity? Totally, totally. Well, I mean, so just so everyone knows, Mitchell and I go way back and, uh, we were in high school together. (laughs) Yes, we do. We were just talking about how it was like seven years ago, did we say? Oh, I don't, don't even say it. I don't even want to think about it. It's been too long. It's gross. (laughs) 
But basically, big, big theater nerd. I mean, movies had always been, like, the thing that I loved the most in my mm. entire life was, like, watching movies. And I was, you know, like, loved theater in high school, um, did some performing and lots of um, some writing, uh, and then went into college thinking I was going to be a TV writer. Like I wanted to write for film and TV. That was, mm -hmm. I was going to be an English major and that's what I was going to do. Cause as we said, like love stories <laughs> and yes. then got super involved in theater, but wasn't really feeling that fulfilled by my English classes. I mean, it was like British literature from like 1812. And it was like all gross old white dudes who I had like no interest in reading. What? Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I like, you know, I sort of had this same association that Marcus was talking about with science in high school. And I also had a lot of insecurity. I was like, I don't feel like I'm good at math. Like mm. I don't, I had mm. this sort of feeling like I'm not smart enough to do science. Um, that was always my or thing. Or to succeed in science. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, what else do I love? I really love being outside. I'm like, I'm really passionate about the environment. So I majored mm. in environmental science. They wouldn't let you major in environmental science if you didn't pair it with a hard, quote unquote hard science. And I didn't want to do chemistry, which was scary. Uh, so I picked bio and I ended up loving it like so much more than I ever thought because of what we're talking about, because of it answering questions and letting it, you know, you just explore the world in this totally new way. It's this way of looking at the world that really resonated with me. And mm. yes, math classes were still hard. And like, yes, chemistry was still scary and chem lab was long, mm. but I, I <laughs> loved it. I just loved it. And so then I sort of found myself as I was looking at graduation, like, okay, I'm interested in way too many scientific things to like pick one and go to graduate school for it. Cause mm -hmm. you have to really narrow down. And I also don't think I could ever picture my life without performance mm -hmm. and the creative part of that. But also I was staring down like, all right, am I going to graduate and try to be an actor in LA? Ooh, I don't know <laughs> if that's going to be a good move for me. <laughs> and so sort of found the intersection of those things. Mm -hmm. and knew that I loved talking about science and had sort of the the beginnings of this stuff that we're talking about in terms of like, how do you make science more of a story? How do you make more people connect with it and feel like they would belong there? Yeah. And yeah. it just sort of led me, yeah, to that, that like, okay, making videos digital is the way forward. Like people really connect with videos. You're seeing that like all over the place in the digital space. So yeah, I'm just, you know, day by day trying to make stuff that will – get people super interested in the stuff that I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And I just feel like I totally agree, Marcus. I'm like entranced by everything you have to say, Marin. Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm coming back every week. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th there's just so much, you know, uh, underneath that. And this, this mm. curiosity, I think, is what's so attractive about um, your combination of both you know, careers and, and styles and the fact that I think that, you know, going into college, you even said like, um, you know, you really have to commit if you're going to go to graduate school for science, you have yeah. to basically like kind of, it feels like you have to kind of cut out everything else when you commit to something, even going to undergrad. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you manage to do this thing where both are kind of feeding each other, which is really incredible. Um, and I, I guess my next question is, like, how, how do you feel that this um, opportunity and your, your experience in this field doing, you know, this, this content creation has helped you grow as an artist and as a scientist, if that Oh, if absolutely. That yeah. I mean, I think they feed into each other so well. And, like, as an artist, I, I don't – I found myself to be, like, very disorganized as an artist in just – in terms of um, – 
uh, feeling very like wrapped up in my own drama or or like my own feelings about the art and like trying to make that happen i I, whereas i think what i've found about like trying to bring performance and artistic products into a very scientific and technical world is having to have like a very clear idea of why that's valuable and being able to articulate that to people and advocate for that in a space where people don't you know don't see the value in that or like why should we be paying for a public affairs person at this scientific laboratory like why is that important so so mixing the two has taught me how to advocate for the arts in science and why we need that communication now more than ever to reach people and to help people feel not so alienated from the science and then as a scientist bringing that that understanding of humanity and that like trying to to bring the narrative into the science and trying not to squish it all squish all the humanity out and help people feel like people <laughs> when 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 practicing science is huge and and because of that earlier conversation we were having like making people feel like they could be a scientist like you were saying people think that like you have to give up everything else to be a scientist i'm hoping that like being a relatively public figure who who gets to do both Mm -hmm. or who gets to live like this varied existence and presenting all sides of myself Mm -hmm. um you know like i'm a yoga instructor i'm a personal trainer like i play the cello i love to run you know like (laughs) just having like presenting oneself as a really well-rounded multifaceted human being i think can help change people's perceptions of what you have to be mm-hmm. to be a scientist. Like you can be a woman, you can be a queer person, you can be a person of color, you can have all of these other interests and you can be a scientist and you're welcome here and we, we need your perspective. So I'm hoping that that mm. will, you know, will will continue, like more people will come to the forefront of science who are interested in promoting that mm-hmm. and bringing more people in who feel the same way. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, and... I think it's it's very true to hear you talk about um, you know like all of your interests and everything that you're excited about and and folding all of those things in. I think that that fits perfectly under the the like reason that we created the show and like the not totally so totally and yeah. I, I'm so glad to have you here as a guest because it, it just you. proves my point that we are all human and we are mm-hmm. all multifaceted and you can mm-hmm. be like we you know like I introduced you you're a jack of many trades you're a jack of all trades you're a human being how could you not be right that's like, the thing and and like like I think it's it's getting to be more and more difficult to do that because in this world of especially digital marketing like mm-hmm. take social media take Instagram for example like the Instagram accounts that have you know millions of followers are so hyper focused they're so mm-hmm. niche and it's I, I think we, we get told a lot that especially as artists like to be successful you have to have like I am this thing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. whether it's a type or it's whether it's a specific skill that you offer voice acting whatever it may be like you have to really amp up this one thing so that you can have this very strong personal brand that you can then market to people and get hired to do mm-hmm. and there's t- there's value in that of course um we've seen that, that it, that's successful but also it's so limiting mm-hmm. right it makes people feel like they have to give up all these other things to be what they really want to be and so i'm hoping that maybe especially when people like we're seeing maybe people start to distrust 
um, media more and more and have trouble like connecting with with social media and with news media, I'm hoping we'll see a turn back to the more authentic. And people really, I think, are craving connecting to people who are real, like you're saying, just human beings mm -hmm. and can be themselves, you know, online in digital spaces, in, in positions uh, of being well-known and, and being able to market yourself as a human being and that that's you know that's that's your brand is that you are you <laughs> you're not a thing <laughs> you heard it here first folks you are you you are not a thing <laughs> breaking news i'm sure this is absolutely revolutionary <laughs> I, i'm gonna write that down actually because that's i like that you are you and not a thing Right, because people want to say, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a scientist. Mm -hmm. No, I'm Marin. I do science. Right. I do presenting. But that's not who I am. Right. Right. And that's, like, inherent in the dangers of, um, like, labeling yourself. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, just like you're saying, there are positivities, uh, there are positive things uh, to yeah. labeling yourself. There mm -hmm. are, that's a successful formula that you can follow. I'm the person that does that. I'm totally. the person that does this. Um, but... It's also very limiting, and also it just makes me think of what you said earlier about how, um, you know, science is kind of being limited by fighting for budget, mm -hmm. and artists feel like they can do anything they want, but, uh, you know, they might not get paid for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and so I'm <laughs> There's curious a fine to balance. your opinion on, like, how um, to just kind of, like, this as a, a wrap-up. Yeah. Um, the importance of mixing art and science and, and mm. how science has to change in order to be that more effective brand of science that you were talking about that doesn't, you know, alienate people or just get caught up in the news cycle, um, but is its own independent and narrative thing. What, oh, know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it, it's just sort of like brings everything together that we've been talking about. And and yes, we could talk about like we'd like the news media landscape to change or like we'd like people to change their minds about certain things. Yes, we could talk about that all day long. But at the end of the day, you only have what you're in control over. So say, you know, my main audience is to a scientific community, especially if I do like in-person workshops and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling the scientists like, obviously something that we're doing is failing. Like we're putting the results out there and, and we're seeing people take it the wrong way. We're seeing people take things away from it that we don't want. We're pe seeing, right. seeing people say they don't believe it. Right. Mm. So obviously something needs to change. And in my opinion, I think there, I mean, the conversation about what needs to change in science is like, oh my gosh, a whole hour long podcast, or maybe like a series of podcasts. Maybe I'll start that one. There's so many things that, <laughs> that need to change about science to make it more accessible to not only people who want to be in science, but also people who want to know about science. But in terms of making like the results of science more accessible and less prone to manipulation or misinterpretation, I think mm -hmm. we have to be the ones to adapt to this changing world and to these changing mm -hmm. attitudes. And people, as we see, like our world is ruled by entertainment and that's the power of the arts, right? Like we're talking about story, emotion. That is what people connect with. That's what right. people will remember. And because science is lacking those things, mm -hmm. we can't, we, we're like scrabbling for fifth place, like in people's 
um, periphery. We have, we don't have cultural relevance. And so in my opinion, and this is, this might be kind of controversial, I think that science and scientists and the results that come out of the scientific process need to take a way bigger stab at the entertainment world. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is trying to make things that are primarily entertainment, like people watch it for fun, but they're going to take something away from it. And I want those things to be the ability to think critically. So not necessarily necessarily like I want you to walk away from this video knowing how to solve a differential equation but (laughs) that's like a whole other subset but I want people in in sort of watching especially the videos that I do for Seeker or Lawrence Livermore to walk away from those videos with being like oh okay so this is how I could take all of this information that's coming at me every day like a fire hose and and come to my own conclusions about it in a logical and uh, organized way, right? Because that's, I think, what mm-hmm. we're missing. We're we're missing that step, and so people glom on to whoever they find to be charismatic because of some emotional reason, whether that be a politician or a pundit, something like that. Whereas if we could, in our educational system, in our entertainment world, really try to emphasize how how you can problem solve and think critically on your own, mm-hmm. I think we would be on our way to a better world. <laughs> well. I don't know. I don't know about you, Marcus, but I think we already are on our way to a better world. And if not, you know, from all of us, just from you, I think oh you're my doing gosh. it. Um, <laughs> these videos are incredible. I was, you know, we were talking before we started recording about like I literally was watching all of your videos and like all of the YouTube suggestions from Seeker and from you know Lawrence Livermore and all of these different. Um, you know, videos that you have done. And I was just learning so much. And then like in this past week, I've been talking with friends and I'm like, oh, did you know that like actually the, you know, bacteria in our guts like send us signals and blah, blah. And I'm, you know, saying these things that I have never learned, you know, like like you have in in a class or like in study or or in scientific thought. But like that's the goal from these videos. That's absolutely the goal is for people to think it's fun and interesting and then want to share it and want to talk about it mm-hmm. and have it want it to, have it be part of just what they think about in their day-to-day life not because they feel obligated or because they want to feel better than somebody else or because they want to feel smart but because it interests them. Yeah. Like that's, that's it's so cool to hear you say that Mitchell because it makes me feel like like I'm getting somewhere like this is okay. All right. This is a good track to be on. (laughs) You're you're doing it. You really are. Um, And thank you so much for being here. I know you're busy and you got to get going. Um, But thank you so much. I mean, you are welcome back anytime for a series, uh, a Marin, Marin's Corner. Oh my God. Um, We can put it on the show. I'm honored. Welcome back anytime. Um, I'm so honored. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you guys. I I think this project is amazing. I think the world needs more of it. I'm so glad you guys are asking these questions and and trying to figure it out in the way that you guys are. I think this is so cool. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Mary. Yeah. I know I'm going to cry. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, me too. We'll just get um, get emotional together. That's what we do. <laughs> please um, distract from my emotion and tell people where they can find you, um, where so they can find all your great videos and all of that. Oh, you're the best. I'm going to let me plug everything. Um, you can find me at Marin B on Instagram. Uh, that's M-A-R-E-N-B-E-A. Uh, Marin Hunsberger on YouTube. You can also find me on the Seeker YouTube channel. I don't host every video, but I host many. Um, or you can subscribe to Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. Also on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. You can find my website. I'm all over the Internet. So if you just Google my name, you'll find me. <laughs> 
perfect. Thank you so much, Marin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys Thank so you. much. My pleasure. My pleasure. This was awesome. This was perfect. Yes! <laughs> that makes me feel so happy. <laughs> <laughs>